0: Downfield, underthrowed and intercepted. Keely Rango has an escort down the sidelines. Heartbreak.
1: All oh, the walk into the end zone. Despair. Letdown. The Tide. Choke. These are words Atlanta sports fans are all too used to all hear. Chopper out to Dansby. Until Dansby. now. Dansby throws to first base. Is this happening? No more negative expectations, no more, more playing the victim, no more weather free no more. 38-yard field goal by Morton Anderson, the hold,
0: the kick, it's on the way, it's up and Let it is go.
1: the Falcons
0: are going to the Super yeah. Bowl! From the mesmerized studios in Woodstock, Georgia, Believe Entertainment proudly presents Believe in Atlanta Sports with your hosts, Robert Tate and the commissioner, Mark Rich. Welcome, welcome, welcome Atlanta sports fans to this episode seven version 2.0 and you're probably going, what are you talking about? Well, you know what? We have our first Lost episode. We actually have a couple, but we, we, we did one the other day, and we left, and Mark brought up a good point. He said, man, I don't know that that one should see the light of day. He's like, uh, that's probably not going to do us any favors, and he was right. So we scrapped it, but we're back, and it's noon and improved because we have a very special guest today, Dr. Drew Yeager, officially now. I should have brought the crown from the last episode because I'd let you have it. You are, you are, you are our first— Real true official fan, and we'll tell you why in a minute. But we got a little housekeeping to do. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. A million thank yous, Mr. Brian Scott, retired NFL defensive back, formerly the Atlanta Falcons. So much fun having him. I was in my head. That
1: was enough. Thank yous, yeah. It was an
0: incredible interview and just a
1: really, really cool guy.
0: And I was in my head the whole time afterwards because, uh, I don't think we talked about it during the show. You can, you saw it. Uh, you can tell me if I'm repeating myself, but I got pulled over on the way here. I was going a few miles uh, too fast in a school zone and took up a little of my time, so I just rushed in because he was already here, and I was like, he's got an appointment down the hall to do some uh, video work for because his company's partnering with the Falcons, and we didn't do a lot of sports talk because we fanboyed out, because who, you know, how often do you get to sit in a room with a guy that's won the Walter Payton Award, and he was on Shark Tank, he owns a boxing gym, the list goes on and on, super interesting, oh, I should mention he played for Joe Paterno too, that's crazy enough, so anyway, thank you again, and uh, we actually are going to talk some sports today, but first, we're going to talk to Dr. Drew Yeager, because he is a sports chiropractor. He's going to tell us a little bit about that because there are different kind of uh, fields of chiropractic work, and they do vary a little bit, but we're going to kind of debunk the myths. So first of all, welcome to the show, Dr. Drew, and just kind of tell us who you are, where you're from, and what you do. Yeah,
2: so like you said, I'm Dr. Drew Yeager. I uh, work at Addison Chiropractic and Sports Clinic in Kennesaw. Shameless plug. Um, I am a chiropractor, and I work with primarily athletes. So I was an athlete myself and went through the physical therapy realm, chiropractic growing up. I decided I wanted to be a chiropractor, and um, I see all types of patients, but uh, athletes is where I kind of find that I really just geek out over because I love the return-to-play situation. And so I've gotten to work with some really cool athletes and uh, just – getting into this community and trying to promote myself. So I do a lot of soft tissue uh, modalities in conjunction with chiropractic, right? So uh, I have an evidence-based practice, whereas I I look at a lot of research and try to figure out the best ways to help my patients. With anybody suffering with pain or any sort of uh, movement dysfunction, uh, we kind of approach it from a functional standpoint rather than a holistic health or uh, just snap, crackle, and pop practice. So...
0: There, there is science behind it, and I will tell you right now, being in the restaurant business for many, many years, more than I would like to count, there was a time probably early to late 30s. It was about a six- or seven-year span that I, I went to a lot of doctors, told them what I was going through, and unfortunately they prescribed uh, pain pills, uh, muscle relaxers, skeletal, you know, muscle relaxers, a lot of stuff. Uh, they told me to stretch a little bit but it works because it wasn't until i went and sought chiropractic help that the problem was really solved and i thought you know you go in and they just kind of start doing the you know the cracking and everything they took x-rays they started with doing some leg exercises and and, and other things on the table and we didn't actually get to the actual adjustment part till like 3 or 4 visits in but i'm telling you when i tell you it was excruciating i mean i had to hide it sometimes and there were days that i had to put my pants on laying down it was that bad and when I went and did that, no, nothing ever since. Stretching and everything, so it, it does work, and it's not everybody sees that crazy commercial with City Williams and you know Life College, and there's the story came out about the young lady who unfortunately had an a, a, an artery severed. So just I, I, give it a shot because it does work. There is science behind it. It's not a bunch of hooey like some people say. Now there are some kooky chiropractors out there. We've talked about this before, but. There is a difference. I'm going to go. I know Mark's going to go. So, one reason, uh, that's not the only reason we brought you on, uh, because we, uh, not that we're always going to have like-minded people on here, but we went to the Woodstock Business Club, and the first time you ever approached us, you said, man, I really like the idea of like a fan-centric, hometown-based sports show, because you're not a big fan of Atlanta Radio. And again, I, I don't want to beat up on it, but its you don't get that
1: with Atlanta Radio, so... Just thank you for my that. My eyes twinkled when you said yeah. that to us. It's like, oh my god, he just he just repeated our mission statement back to us. It's it's beautiful. Awesome. So I guess maybe just give us kind of a little background um
0: you know, growing up in the state and kind of your experience with Atlanta sports and kind of your experience I don't know uh, if you were a big Atlanta sports radio guy, but just kind of a little you know, first memories maybe. You know, first Braves game or first Falcons game. Uh, you know, first Georgia game because you're sporting the, sporting the Georgia here. Go, dogs. Go dogs! All day long and twice on Sunday, man. So yeah, just a little little something. You know, kind of your experience as an Atlanta fan and, and how you've seen it and how it's made you feel. We can talk about our feelings, right, guys? It's oh, yeah. 2022. Sure. <laughs>
2: Absolutely. Let's get into it. Yeah, I. Um, so I, I actually was. I'll start from the very beginning. I was born in St. Louis, Missouri. I think kind of my first uh, fandom was probably the St. Louis Cardinals. So when I was a kid growing up, uh, Mark McGuire was at the tail end of his career. So some of my earliest memories as a kid is going to Bush Stadium and watching Mark McGuire play, this mountain of a man, right, steroid era. And um, so, yeah, I moved here to Atlanta when I was six years old. So this has pretty much been home for me. Um, I've adopted the Atlanta fan base, and they've somewhat adopted me. Um, I, I think my first team I was a fan of when I moved here was definitely the Braves. Uh, always kind of, i am a horrible baseball player, but I love baseball. Uh, I stunk at it, so I quit playing it, but I've always loved the Braves. I remember going to Braves games at Turner field when I first moved here. Uh, and I actually grew up on the South side, so it was a little more convenient, but now I live on the North side. So this is a lot more convenient, but, um, yeah, so I I grew up in the Fayetteville, Georgia area, went to Whitewater High School, played with a lot of good athletes, saw a lot of athletes come out of there. And so, uh, you know, I don't think I would have gotten the same sports influence if I would have stayed in St. Louis, as I do here, right? Everybody is just like, diehard fans of of their teams, right? Georgia, Atlanta Braves, Atlanta Falcons, Atlanta Falcons are getting there. But uh, even, you know, with the addition of Atlanta United several years ago, people have just adopted them. And so, um, I have just fallen in love with Atlanta sports, and this this last year was just super magical. I mean, it just just crazy.
0: Well, I would there are diehard die fans here. I w- I will say that, but there's also those fair weather freeloaders, and there's also some that need a need a rap on the beak. See what I did there? Yeah, Hawks, Falcons. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of our mission again. I know people are going to get tired of it. Uh, saying it, but it really is, uh, there's a lot of guys, who, that the only reason they give us our news is because they have a financial interest, they're paid by someone to do it, they're not emotionally invested, and that's why we're here, to do all this stuff for free, so we know you've got to get, you got an appointment coming up, so we need to dive in and talk a little Braves, and man, do you smell that? That's the Braves, because they are on the hunt, they are one and a half games back of the Mets now. Mets are metting, not saying they're they're done by any stretch of the imagination because their September schedule is pretty easy, but the Braves are too. But the Mets are four and six in their last ten. Braves are eight and two. And this is going to be something to watch at the end of this month coming up. The Mets have the Dodgers for three. That's a big series for the Mets. That is when you could see the they switch. Shipped. Yep, the switch happened. And uh see the Braves take over first ba- first base, first place. But the more important thing I want to talk
1: about, does anybody watch the game yesterday at all? I I watched the game in like three minute increments. And in those three three minute increments, the score jumped by four or five runs each time. It was it was insane. I didn't get to see a whole hell of a lot of it. Did get to see Olsen. That was yeah.
0: That was sweet. Hit a bomb. Into the Allegheny River. Braves beat the Pirates 14-2. It's always fun to watch. I feel like there's a pile of dead fish with a baseball (laughs) just stuck in the top of them. It might be. I just love watching the Pirates lose to the Braves just from the early 90s. Those uh, Braves-Pirates NLCS series with Bonds. And I I don't know. Do you remember those series at all? Very vaguely. Okay. I'm a little older than uh, anybody else in the room, but I remember – Andy Van Slyke sitting in center field crying and just feeling like, oh man, oh. <laughs> we got it. Those him. were some killer series, those, man. I mean, the Braves and Pirates duked it out. It was a slug fest. I mean, it was seven games a lot of times, but so, I mean, the Braves are hot right now. Hot, hot, hot again. Um, and only, you know, it, right at the right time. Again, they're heating up again. And that's what a lot of people don't understand about the game of baseball. It's, it, you could be great all year, but it, it It's how you finish out the season. And everybody wants to talk about the Dodgers. They have the best record in baseball. That is a bugaboo, man, going into the playoffs. The team with the best record oftentimes does not
1: win the World Series. Nope. No, I was just going to say that the best record could mean you started out white hot and, you know, you're tapering off a little bit and you got a little bit... Uh, going on on the tail end of the season, but when you start off and you're a little rocking at the tail end, you start catching heat. That's a, those are the teams you always have to be afraid of. And one thing I'm, I'm I'm I don't think I'm
0: too worried because I don't think they'll let it bother them. But it is kind of starting to heat up, and there's been some articles come out as Dansby contract talks. You know uh, what's going to happen? How's it all going to play out? Because we said yes, he is represented by Excel. He is represented by Freddie Freeman's management and former. Agent Casey Close, you know, they're like, how's that going to play out? Were there any lessons learned? And I can tell you why we probably were not going to repeat a Freddie situation is, number one, the guy is from here. Right down the road, Marietta High School, he's a Blue Devil. He wants to be here. I mean, he grew up a Braves fan, does have something to do with it. He's setting roots here. He's married. He's got family here. And also – with these signings that have just happened. They've signed everybody up. The future is bright. You know, Michael some Harris. Locked in. Yeah, Michael <laughs> Harris signed. Acuna signed. Albies signed. Riley signed. Got some arms that are going to get signed. So he's going to he's comfortable. He knows he's going to be throwing the ball across the diamond to Olsen for many, many years now. He doesn't have to wonder who he's going to be playing with. He's going to be turning double plays with Ozzy for a long time now. Everybody. So, that's a good, solid core. You want to talk about chemistry? You don't – I will take chemistry over talent, like a, just a locker room full of superstars any old day of the week. You give me a team with just some good, solid players in chemistry all day long. Because you
1: saw how the Yankees, you know, they filled up that locker room with all those big talents, and they – Yankees. How about the Red Sox, the blue collar Bo Sox? Whenever you get that blue collar feel from the Red Sox, that's when you get worried. Not when they go out and sign a, a couple of huge free agents in the off You don't. That it's just names. It looks good on paper, but when you get that team chemistry and that like that blue collar feel, you know. Do you do you think that the Freddie Freeman, the whole situation, how it went down? how they immediately went out and got Olsen afterwards because they knew Freddie wasn't going to work out. Do you think that is almost a cautionary tale now? Now we know that the the Braves are are serious. And if you guys aren't going to play ball, then they will go out and make the move that they need to make to get where they need. And not to, we talked about earlier, is it, is there any pressure with Von Grissom being here um, on Dan's beer? Does that, that give us any leverage? I don't, I don't think it gives us any leverage, but I think what it does is if they can't come to an agreement, we already have a backup plan in place. So I I don't think that there's any chance we don't sign Dansby. I really don't. The way AA is going right now and the way this team is, first of all, I don't think he wants to go anywhere else. And second of all, I think Anthopolis is going to get it done. But I, I really truly feel like just the way that the Freddie Freeman whole contract thing went down, like I, I feel like cautionary tale might not have been the, the right way to say that, but like you look at it and you know that even Freddie Freeman, they couldn't come to terms on what he wanted to do. So before it was all said and done, they went out and got their guy and they were ready to go. Like they it's a business, man. It is Braves have business. always been that way. Cutthroat. Yeah. You know, they don't they don't bargain. It's just it's it's a Braves way.
0: It's always been that way. You know? So how I mean how did how did you feel when, you, when the news came out? We'll, we'll beat the Freddie Freeman horse for a little bit. As a, just as a fan or just watching it go down. What, what, what were you thinking? I mean, were you angry? I think at first, um, I was a little disappointed, um, but
2: when I saw what we got in return, I was pleasantly surprised, right? I mean, it was you get Matt Olson, who's a younger guy who's slugging the baseball in Oakland. I, I was upset because I love Freddie. And I think, you know, you talked about chemistry. I think Freddie was the, the basis of that chemistry in that locker room, right? I mean, he kind of led by example. He's kind of the, still a younger guy, but he was kind of the grandpa of the team because he, he was there for so long. But uh, I had mixed emotions, man. I, I, uh, it took me a long time to put my Freddie Freeman jersey back on. But, and then when the news resurfaced about, you know, his agent and withholding information, I was kind of like, oh, crap. Now that this, whole sitting in the, yeah, the dugout thing. It, yeah, it was, exactly. Yeah. I mean, you just watch him on his return to Atlanta. I mean, you can just totally see somebody who was gypped, right? I mean, he was – I think
0: he was kind of heartbroken, actually. Ooh, I, well, okay. I, I don't know if he was gypped. And I'll say this. I stole this, I want to say, from Mark Bowman, and I've said it a few times. Freddie knows. We know. And Freddie knows we know. Because, listen, Chipper said it. We'll just beat this horse. We've, we've been talking about it, and like maybe we'll just chime in. I know it's old news. It's old habit. Maybe people want to know how we feel about it. He didn't take control of the situation. Chipper Jones said, if you want to play in Atlanta, you play in Atlanta. You maybe take a little less to stay somewhere where you feel comfortable, somewhere that's home. Your agent works for you. And, and nobody will ever know. You can say all you want in the news. Nobody will ever know what really conspired except for Alex Anthopoulos, Ray's organization, Freddie Freeman and Casey Close. But I was fuming, and I'll never put on a Freeman jersey again. Still want to see Freddie eat, just not at my table, and I've, I've definitely softened a lot, because, but I think the bulk of this is on him because if he really wanted to be here, he should have done what was necessary to stay here. Guy was already worth a ton of money. He, he he played chicken with the Braves, and he lost. Mm-hmm. And he should have known better because he's he's close friends with probably one of the top three Braves of all time. He's up there with Hank
1: Aaron, Glavin Maddox, chipper, chipper. You know, he's Chipper. But didn't it it also felt like he literally, like, groomed him. Like, Chipper groomed Freddie to be the next, like, Chipper on the team. Oh, yeah. And so, like, that – and I don't want to call him a glue guy because I feel like glue guys downplaying what his actual role is um but he was probably like the the veteran leader glue of of the locker room everything within and it was a little weird to start the season out this year with him not there and you could tell there was just a weird feeling and then we've slowly gotten past it and now we're here well it's without question he was
0: the atlanta braves he was gonna be it he was gonna be the next braves legend the next guy to play his entire career in atlanta and he's it's his fault, period. You can disagree with me if you want, but it's his fault. He allowed his agent. I, I don't know. I don't know. I wish I. I wish I could meet him. I don't know. I wish I could get some inside information to what transpired. But I think that's why he was so emotional.
1: Well, and I because
0: really, he was like, "Oh man, I really effed up." Regrets. Coming back to Atlanta, he's like, "I should have done things differently. I should have handled it differently. He should have known." And this is what I said the whole time: "You knew better." how the Braves did this, the Braves way. You, of anybody, should have known it. And you sat there at the end of the World Series saying, I want to be here. Mm-hmm. The Braves said we want you here. How did it not get done? Period. I, I want to retract my statement. For I said gypped, but I really, I, I think what
2: I meant was, if it's true what happened with his agent, he, he was not gypped from a financial standpoint by any means. I mean, he got his money. I, I think we honestly were offering him a little too much money. And then Dodgers obviously offered him a little bit more, but when I say gypped, I don't mean like, oh, they they pulled the rug out from under him. I mean, I just think if that situation is true, then maybe there wasn't some transparency. But I agree, I I agree
0: with you. I don't disagree with that. You know what's worse? After deferred salary and California
1: taxes, he's making less. And that's it's the <laughs> most insane part. I yeah. that it disappointment was like the. The overall emotion, like, most people, there are a lot of fans that were, like, super, super pissed off. And that is totally a fair emotion when it comes to the situation. But I was just so disappointed because you very rarely get to see the guys that play their entire career in a place. And Freddie Freeman just absolutely seemed like one of those guys. Should have been. Yeah, no, but, like, you, you, like, almost, like, I almost didn't even think twice about it. Like, there's no way this isn't going to happen. And when it happened, and the way it happened, like, it was just, like, very disappointing. And I, I, you could just, I, literally, just reading comments, reading articles, listening to fans at the beginning of the season, there was a Freddie hangover. The fans mm-hmm. had a Freddie hangover. And they booed Matt Olson. They booed him in That's, his first game. I disagree with that. Oh, no, they I, called him Trash Can Olson. Uh, yeah, but are you kidding me? Right. That's your future yeah. at first base. Like, I don't. I, that pissed me off, yeah. Uh. but I was at opening day and that, I didn't know what to do. I was just like,
0: but that's one of the reasons I? why we're doing this show too, to say, behave yourselves, Atlanta fans do better, be better. Like it's over. He's gone. I felt like I'd been stabbed in the heart, betrayed. I was like, you, oh, mm-hmm. and, and in some way, but I, I'm definitely over it now. I'm definitely not as mad. I'm like, okay. And be so, upset
1: about it. But look at the, look yeah. at the position we were put in with Olsen, like if he's as advertised and we have him locked in like that, we just went out and got your first baseman of the future. Who's about to get to play against no shift. Like, yeah, shut up and enjoy what exactly. you have. That's it's a, it's 100% a good situation. It is. I
0: just, I just, I, I was a Freddie guy, man, all day long. Freddie guy. He was I, my, he was my favorite. Everybody grade, you know? was. And, I mean, and now I'm just like, Hey, good luck to you. I hope we kick your ass up, up and down the field in the playoffs I hope you never win a World Series in L.A. You're gonna—he's a Hall of Famer. Glad to already. see you batting
1: three fifty in L.A. You—it's <clears throat> fine. We're fine, man. But do you, fine. I, like it's one of those things. I always like wondered. Like I wonder if uh, when I die, I get to know who shot JFK. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, do you just yeah. get some information when you pass on? I just want to know. Like what what really happened with Freddie? Please just tell me the truth. I just want to know.
0: So yeah, like you know that—that's the Freddie horse. It's been beat. Um, and I think Dansby is going to take a hometown discount. I think he'd learned a lot from that situation. I think he'll probably be more involved in his contract talks and he'll make sure if, if Dansby wants to be here, he's going to make damn sure he stays here. I think those are the lessons learned. And I I don't think the Braves need to learn any lessons. I think the Braves are like, this is how we do it. This is what we're offering. You want to be here, you know, again, the whole chipper thing. You want to play in Atlanta, you play in Atlanta. And, into
1: story, and then we erect
0: the so, xanthopolis statue so now sh- shifting focus since you know we're going into september it's coming up you know what do you start to talk about in playoffs you start to talk about arms so let's talk about arms uh we've we've got some stuff coming up in the pipes um it's mike soroka is uh started down in rome he did he had four innings Are we allowed
1: to talk about him? Should should we just keep this under wraps and just, like, make it, like, a little backroom secret until it comes to fruition?
0: I kind of want to because I don't want to jinx it. I mean, the guy's been out for – it's almost like Everybody
1: knock on the table. The the
0: legend of Mike Soroka, you know, know, knock on wood (laughs) or knock on wood. Uh, But, yeah, he fanned eight of nine. First eight of his nine batters. Gave it one hit, so they bumped him up to AAA. AAA start was pretty good, but – you know, they asked him. They said, "You know, what what do you have to do to to be back?" And he's like, "I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I've got to ball out. I've got to be great." And the, the question people are asking is, are, "Are the Braves rushing him back?" And my answer to that is no. If anybody's rushing anyone back, it's Soroka rushing himself back. I think they're going to have to hold him back because he's a competitor. He had that phenomenal rookie season. He hasn't thrown a ball in over two years. I think they're going to have to be like, whoa, bud, I know you're ready. I know you're ready to go, but just be cool. So my vision is he's going to be back sometime at the end of the September call-ups, and he's going to be in that bullpen, middle relief. That's how I see it shaping up. So, yeah, you yeah, know, right? Sort of, no, I felt the that same emoji.
1: Way. You know, the, the the smile emoji with the teeth. Like that's that, uh, that start in Rome. If I'm not mistaken, the uh the eight of nine. That one hit he gave up. I think he he then then turned around and doubled that guy to end the inning, and that was it. So, so yeah, he. I mean, great start. Triple A, a little different. You you ruptured your Achilles twice. Mm-hmm. You ruptured it. You came back. You tore it again walking into the stadium. Yeah. Yeah. So like that's not easy. I can imagine doing it one time, let alone twice. Same foot. Like yikes. We talked about it too. Um, you know, what what that can do to your psyche,
0: like that competitive edge. It's hard, you know, Chris Medlin did it, but to, to come back from injuries, but it looks like he's he's going to make it. I, I don't want to jinx it. So let's just stop well, let's stop. Let's just stop talking. Okay. <laughs> But so something you and I talked about yesterday, and I've got a little uh, caveat to this, uh, you know, Cy Young talk is starting to kind of get bantered around, and you wondered why Max Fried wasn't in those talks. And, you know, I did a little digging, and, and I wonder why, because uh, he's very quietly done this in the background, I wondered why nobody's talking about Kyle Wright. You're right. They should both be there. Kyle Wright just got a 16th win last night. He's 16 taught- and 5, third straight quality start. Seven of his last eight have been quality starts. And you're probably going, Well, Robert, what's a quality start? Quality start in baseball is six innings or more, three runs or less. 299 ERA, 144 strikeouts, 44 walks, and 147.2 innings. So I, would, I would argue that he's our ace over Freed. Freed's what, 12 and 4, 13 and 4, something like that? Sure.
1: I mean, it, you can take it either way. I, I, you can't discount what he's doing. I just, for whatever reason, feel like Freed's our guy. But either way, Kyle Wright is having an amazing year. Um, it just it bodes well. Like if the the guy we're not going to talk about comes back to rare form, like that's a formidable front three. And to
2: have a rookie like Spencer Strider coming in and just he's a
1: gunslinger, dude. I mean. That starting bullpen is... Ian Anderson figures his stuff out. Like, will you you have potential. Like, a, the the bullpen actually, I mean, aside from Kenley Jansen doing his best, like, Will Smith impression of last year, but we all saw how that worked out for us. Yeah. Um, yeah, Kyle, Kyle Wright is maybe the most, or I'm sorry, least talked about mm-hmm. winning his pitcher in the majors right now. I don't. I don't think anybody talks about him. I don't see his name outside of Atlanta. I don't see anybody talking about him. So, so the other guy, you know, he's he's kind of like Voldemort now. We won't
0: we won't mention his name, but what if he comes what a in? Hufflepuff. Right? Yeah. What if he comes in in a late inning role, I, a closer role, something like that? But people talk about Ian Anderson. You know, there's not a lot of news on him. Uh, but he's he pitched five and a third scoreless uh, uh four or five days ago. But here's here's three things real quick that Ian Anderson has, and let's not forget he's 24. He's not over. I mean, guy, he had a sub-2 ERA in the playoffs last year, sparkling. Big reason we won the World Series. Third pitch he can trust. Everybody knows this. The Twitter GMs will argue and say he has them, but he doesn't. He he needs a third pitch that he can trust and mix in. He's got to get better command of his fastball at the top of the strike zone, and he's got to throw that changeup more for strikes to get ahead in the count because everybody knows – Ian Anderson gets behind in the count, he's in trouble. He's got to stay ahead of the count. If he does those things, which I think he will, and who knows, man, advice comes from the strangest of places in baseball sometimes. You know, they might ask him, hey, how'd you figure it out? Well, they got a bullpen catcher down there in Gwinnett. <laughs> yeah. It's just weird, you know. So you go down there, you get your head straight, and Snickers already said he's he's got a, a plan for him. And he's got a whole month. I think the September call-ups are like around the 20th, like the end of the month. So – He's gonna be fine, and everybody, you know, kind of that's kind of our pitching, uh, kind of a breakdown for you. I mean, I don't, I'm not worried about it.
1: I pitching, I'm not worried about it at all. And I, honestly, and I totally blanked on Strider for a second there, but I, I just feel like Strider is coming into his own, and if Soroka can get anything close to what he had back, he's like just an instant stud. I mean, let's all just for a minute.
0: Oh, the button doesn't work. Oh, that's the crickets. Oh, well, you know.
1: Hey. <laughs> hey, you know, it's a, it's a, it's, it's. Do you want dream or magic?
0: Oh, let's do it all. Uh, just dream of this lineup. Spencer Strider, Mike Soroka, Max Fried, Kyle Wright. Yeah. Next yes, season. Please. Yes, please. And then what if, what if we get Jacob DeGrom?
1: And what do we do Un- with Ian Anderson?
0: Unstoppable. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what you do with him. Maybe we don't need DeGrom. Maybe, you know, maybe we uh, save the money. You know, because if Ian Anderson gets it. And I think he, I, Ian Anderson straight up, look what he did against the Astros, who are they all, all say it, are one of the best teams in baseball. Chipper Jones said it. The guy's got major league stuff. It's not uncommon for a guy to go away for a while, minor leagues, figure it out, and come back better. He said he's playing the worst baseball he ever has in his life, so he's just got to get over that mental aspect. Or we find the guy in the red turtleneck that Smoltz had and just put him up in the stands. (laughs) Either way. Now, the next big thing everybody talks about, Vaughn Grissom, Ozzie Albies. So, here's what I propose to you. This is why I've always liked the DH and always wanted the DH instead of putting him back on the field. Because Grissom's hammering the baseball right now and he's good. Let Ozzy DH some. He comes back a little slow, he sees some pitches, gets some A Bs, tests that foot out. Sure. Then when he's okay, there's an opening in left field, sir. Would you like to uh, apply? I was just thinking that.
1: Yeah, you're hired. Well, it, it just it seems it seems logical like that seems like exactly what the plan should be and like even the even the DH thing that like it's such a it's a beautiful thing like the other day we didn't have to take Ronnie out of the lineup but we got to keep him as a DH and um it just makes the most sense you don't want to rush anybody back if you don't have to and you you don't know your first game back you don't you don't know how you're going to feel out there running around so yeah I, but Grissom can't go anywhere like he's white hot fire right now.
0: So we gotta we gotta make some plans for the playoffs. You, are you a big playoff? Like, do you have like parties or you go out to bars? Love or, it. Know? Yeah, yeah. We got we got to get some playoff stuff going. Just run out of floor of the Omni and just watch f- from the balconies. I mean, we'll have to get the Delorean from Doc Brown if we want to run out the Omni, but we can do it. The hotel
1: next to oh Chris.
0: oh man, I don't <laughs> got it like that. I mean, I know how's your practice doing? You got it like that? <laughs> I need a couple more of these podcasts going. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Uh, I'm going to try to get down to the stadium for sure, man, because I'm excited because guess what? Everybody's sleeping on the Braves again, and I don't know why. I love it. Uh, do you, man, I don't, this is a random thought that popped in, but the Braves uh, are in second place. They're, they're, they're a wild card. They're approaching 80 wins. The AL Central is so bad. The first-place team, the Cleveland Indians, that's right. I called them the Indians. They're 10 games above 500. Wait, they're not the Indians? No, they're the Guardians, the Cleveland Guardians. They're 66 and 56, though. The AL Central is horrendous. Jeez. The Brewers are one game out in the wild card. I think they're going to – I hope they overtake the Padres just because I want to laugh at the Padres and point my finger that they sold the entire
1: farm for Juan Soto, and they forgot about pitching. They They forgot about a lot of stuff. Like, that is – that turned into a giant dumpster fire real quick. Yeah.
0: So – we uh we we're gonna wind this one down pretty soon, but the one thing that we wanna touch on that we haven't talked about yet is our, our friend Marcelo Zuna. Uh Ben Ingram trolled the hell out of him the other day. He came up to bat and Ben Ingram introduced him as Marcelo Zuna of the Braves because he said that during his arrest. Uh and and this was actually discussed in the lost episode, but you were wondering why he was in the game and like, what's he doing? What's going on? And, and you found the answer to that question. So share with our audience just
1: why Marcelo Zuna was playing. And I, and when you said, Hey, makes sense. Yeah. I, uh, well, obviously you just like, oh, God, this doesn't make sense. Like we, we'd already talked a million times about how I don't feel like he should have been in the lineup regardless of getting a DUI or anything like that. But again, uh, there was an interview with snicker and he said that you know he's he's on the team until he's not on the team like he's available to play i need him to play so he's playing cut and dry plain and simple um he's it Brent snicker's not there to, to dole out punishment or or choose his fate or anything like that so that's a player on his team and he's doing what what he feels best to win so when it was explained like that, I was like, uh, okay, I'm, I'm. that's what it is. Ryan Snicker basically looked at Braves country and said, mind your
0: own effing yeah. business. This is my ball club. I'll do what I want. Yeah, <laughs> until they tell me he doesn't play for the Braves oh, anymore gosh. and I need him, I'm going to use him. Don't even get me started. Hey, man,
2: hey, come on. I just um, – apparently you need the arm of a four-year-old to throw from left field. I mean, I, I don't know if <laughs> – <laughs> I, I, I liked Marcel when he first got here. I mean, he's a little show but you know, you need one of those on your team. Right. But I feel like the production has not matched the drama. Does that make sense? And I, and, and I don't mean that to say like, Oh, well, if you're, you know, producing at the highest level, you can do whatever you want. I certainly don't think, uh, a hitting your spouse is excusable by any means. I think everybody can agree mm-hmm. to that. Everybody listening as well, but, and I get it. People make mistakes, but when you're not producing and also doing stuff like this, it's it's just never good. I understand where Snicker's coming from as far as, you know, he's a player and he's available, but I just feel like that's kind of inexcusable.
0: Well, there's the classic case, and let's go all the way back to, you know, the 50s. Mickey Mantle was an animal, but the dude hit over 300. He's smashing home runs and chasing down, you know, fly balls. So they kind of looked the other way at his behavior. And it's still true today. You know, now domestic violence, no, that's not looked the other way on. But, yeah, if you're smashing the baseball and, and I don't care what sport you're in, if, if you're performing, yeah, they probably turn a little blind eye on your, uh, you know, extracurricular
1: activities for sure. It just seemed like his production dropped correlated with the incident, all the off-the-field stuff. So, I, I, for me, and we talked about this earlier, I don't think I know more than Brian Snicker. I don't know when I ode of what Brian Snicker knows about baseball, but I just don't, like production-wise, I didn't think he should be there. He's a defensive liability. Like it's not even like he. we have somebody better. Like you're a liability out there. And at the plate, you're just not performing. And, like, it, you add this on top of it, it just doesn't seem – I'm sure everybody else is confused because there's a lot of casual fans out there that don't know what's going on, but they're like – just got a DUI, and his coach is letting him play. Like, I, I don't think people understand, like, what's actually happening. So, when Snicker explained what's going on, because he's not judge, jury, and executioner. He's in charge of running that baseball team. And so, putting him in the lineup when he needed somebody to play in that position, even though it might not have been the best person, we don't. We all think that somebody else could have done better in left field, but he needed somebody in left field, that guy's on the roster, and he's going to use them.
0: That's another thing, too, though. Everybody's saying he got arrested for a DUI. He got arrested on suspicion of a DUI. Now, is he going to get one? Probably. He didn't take any of the field sobriety tests, but he has not been convicted of a DUI, and the Braves have pretty much said, hey, we're going to play this by the book, and we're going to assume innocence until proven guilty. We're going to see how it plays out. And the argument that I made was maybe you get him in there and maybe something happens to where – he comes out of his funk and he starts to, you know, perform a little better and maybe his value goes up a little bit or some other teams see that. Oh, okay. There he is. Cause he's a great baseball player. There's no question about it, man. He ripped it up with the Marlins. I'm, when him and Christian Yelts were with the Marlins, I was like, I'd like to have one or both of those guys in Atlanta. And we got one. He made a stop with the Cardinals, but more importantly, something's going on with that dude. Yeah. Period. End of story. Uh, everybody and we wants talked to, about this in the last one. Yeah, too. Like, everybody I wants, hope
1: he's okay. Like yeah. I, I, truly do. Like there's a lot of things, a lot of red flags, mm-hmm. but like you, you hope he's okay as a human being. Um, mm-hmm. It's just it, it's a weird situation for the Braves right now.
2: So I actually interned with a sports chiropractor from St. Louis. He was the Cardinals chiropractor, and uh, we just were chatting, and we're both baseball fans. And uh, I think knowing what I know about him from a locker room perspective kind of taints my <laughs> vision of him because I've heard so many stories even just in St. Louis like all the stuff he was doing and I was kind of like oh boy here we go so I'm not a huge fan of his I was previously when he first started and then you know it it's just tough I I just think defensively like you said there's there's got to be a better option somewhere somewhere in that ball club
0: well uh, here's another point to think about does he get left left off the postseason roster? Because if Albie's comes back and he's got a healthy foot and he's fine, Grissom goes to left field. You got Rosario. Do we need him? No. We have Grossman. Do we need? And the answer is no. So it could we, be. We Do a
1: dance. We do a dance when Albie's comes back. Because yeah. And you don't. We and we talked about this too on uh, another show. You got the whole Contreras um, Darno thing. You can literally. Whoever's not catching, put the other one in the DH spot, and you're still good everywhere Mm -hmm. else on the field. Obviously, I know sometimes somebody else is going to need some rest, but we're just in a really good position as far as having a few utility players that can rotate around uh, to be able to give people breaks and put them in the DH role if they need it, and yeah i don't think we're going to need him i don't think he's going to make it on there would it be wonderful to get some value up for him that silver lining of like maybe this clicks something in his head and his focus comes back and he goes out and performs do i think we're going to even be able to see if he performs i don't think so I don't think it's going to happen. I think the court of public opinion has already ruled, yeah. and I think that's going to factor into decision making.
0: I think it's a clear cut case of he'll 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 go he'll play somewhere else. He will. Someone will give him a chance because look, DUIs are are bad, awful. Don't drive drunk. It's even more disappointing because the guy's a millionaire and he couldn't just get a car.
1: And there's a car but, service.
0: But and let's was- not act like we all don't know someone that's gotten a DUI because. Everybody in this room probably does, or maybe even had one. I'll go ahead and say it. I've gotten one. Okay. It was dumb. I shouldn't have done it. It was a foolish mistake. But again, like back off the guy a little bit. We don't know what he's going through. I'm not saying he's, not, you know, he didn't do a bad thing he did and should he, he should be held accountable. But I don't know. It's just they've been really hard kind of on him. And I'm like, just back off a little bit. I think he probably now knows. Yeah, that was pretty messed up. I shouldn't have that. Oh, yeah. That, so. Well,
1: it, it, it and it's just like it it just because that was the off the field incident, it like people are going to rip him on that. Like I don't think it matters. I think whatever it was, whatever would have happened for him if it was any other arrest or any other type of incident, it would be the same thing cuz people are already annoyed by his play on the field. I don't think they like hate him as a human being, and I I don't think Some people do. Oh, of course, because some people are <laughs> those terrible. fans. Right. Those guys. Um, but, yeah, the, like you already have these feelings towards him as a baseball player. So when you see something like this that is off the field and also negatively contributes to the um, the Braves as an organization, it, the view of the Braves, you see this, it's negative publicity for the Braves. Um, it, it just all adds up, I think, and in, in casual fans just will, will annihilate him.
0: Yeah, well, that's a it's a distraction. Obviously, when you're trying to win a championship, if the Braves stunk, it probably wouldn't be that big of a deal. It kind of, you know, not that it would get swept under the rug, but anyway, I, I think his days are numbered in Atlanta, and and we'll he'll get released. I don't think we'll get anything for him. It's just kind of have to eat those numbers. But I'm excited and. Just watching the timer here, it's it's almost time to wrap it up, but I want to thank you for coming on. We got one more thing, Rob. Let's talk about it. Oh, yeah, yeah, we yeah. We got
2: time. We got time.
0: Oh, yeah. uh, Fave five. Uh, We we got to get you your fave five. Uh, you, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> five favorite. It's, it's kind of a tongue twister. Five favorite Adam Sandler movies. Okay. this I'm going to start from five and work my way down to one.
1: Oh, you got them in Now, order. so these mm-hmm. are in
0: order, like, five is my least and one's my, like. Yeah, five oh, okay. is,
2: well, five. Five of the least favorite i guess you could say so (laughs) did you guys ever see hubie halloween on netflix absolutely it's probably one of the dumbest movies ever and i'll be the first to admit but i could not stop laughing during the entire thing i this new wave of adam sandler movies i'm kind of like okay but that one to me was hilarious loved it so i get that's kind of questionable and i bl- I love also when you when you told me that we were going to do this, I'm a huge Adam Sandler fan. I'm not afraid to admit it, but I do a lot of impressions and stupid stuff with my buddies, and they're always like, "Do the water boy well, come on, but do the water boy yeah mythical climb mythical Klein, medical Klein. <laughs> <laughs> um, number four on that list, Happy Gilmore okay, which is probably toward the top for many people. I get that uh Big Daddy, I was a huge fan of Big Daddy. Rob Schneider in that movie
0: is hilarious. I was just going to say my favorite scene of the whole movie is when he brings the sandwich over and they're having like the spelling contest. And he's like, Peepop. he, 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 he's no fair. You give him easy words." <laughs> that was pretty good. That was yeah. awesome.
2: Love that. Um, yeah. That was a good movie. Uh, and then scuba Steve, funny yeah. just character. Just um, like an actual good movie. Oh yeah. Hilarious. Uh, Billy Madison, number two. Okay. And last but not least, the number one movie, the water boy. Okay. By far. I mean, cause I'm a football player. I love it. It's, it's the funny Louisiana Cajun theme. I mean, it's just when they're sitting around, they're talking about his bed sheets with deputy dog and he's got giant pee stains on it. I mean, captain insane. captain Insano, show no moity. Yeah.
1: <laughs> this is
2: pure Eskimo ice, glacier water. So that is my top five with water boy being number one, <laughs> but
1: I know Hubie Halloween is kind of controversial, but still loved it. There's so many. And that's why that, I say this, I'm probably going to say this most of the time when we do this, but, like, mine's ever-evolving. Like, you, you, your tastes get different throughout life, and, like, I don't know. There's so many good Adam Sandler movies, and I celebrate pretty much his entire catalog. That Jack and Jill thing can just oh, go. Yeah. Or yeah. click. Right? Awful. but Click.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Sandy Wexler. Click is actually one of my favorites. Is it really? Yeah.
2: It's good. It's just kind of, I think it's like Nickelback. Like people make fun of it, but it's, it wasn't horrible, but it wasn't.
0: Okay, yeah. wait, stop. So Nickelback, about... Nickelback is horrible. They're awful. <laughs> you can like them if you want to, but I'm going to make fun of you every step of the That's way. That's okay. No. Just know that. I get that. That's totally fine. <laughs> You're
1: getting I mean, a I, don't listen, for Christmas. I
0: don't listen to them on a
2: normal b- daily basis, but I think it was kind of like a trend, and then everybody made fun. Does that make sense? Like, yep.
0: everybody started making fun of Click, so it caught on. I forgot about that one, so I'll, I'll do mine. Uh, th- I, this is uh, not in order. Uh, Billy Madison, okay, number one. For me, number one, all day long, twice on Sunday. I love it. Happy Gilmore, Waterboy, Mr. Deeds. I love Mr. Deeds, especially John Turturro, man. He's uh, underrated in that movie. And the other actor uh, I like, he was in The Mummy. I can't remember, you know, but he's, uh, they're singing on the helicopter when they go to Wendy's. The other, like the other guy that's the assistant to... uh, Brendan Fraser? Brendan Fraser, yeah. No, 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 no. He, He, uh... He he was the uh, he was in the mummy. He was the guy that uh, burned up the map in the library. He ran the library, and she tore the whole library up. And he, you know, he's like, "Why do I put up with you?" That why guy. can't I think of who it's that a bit. Is.
2: It's been a long time since I've seen. Well, anyway, movie.
0: he's a he's a Middle Eastern actor. He's, he's a Middle Eastern guy, but oh. the, he sings he sings Space Oddity uh, when they're in the helicopter. Okay. That that guy I like, and he's not in it a lot, but that's what, I like that part. And then uh, Big Daddy, for what we just talked about, Rob Schneider's great. man just a good
1: movie so i i actually have man i love sandler i like i really like i like my cousins and i and and friends like listening to the adam sandler cds back in the day when they put out comedy cds for you like there's so many good ones my absolute favorite at this moment and if you haven't seen it you have homework to do that's my boy oh yeah with andy sandberg (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah I've seen it yeah.
1: so incredibly funny I didn't I thought it was I literally on the eye test I thought it was gonna suck I laugh hysterically every time I watch that movie so so funny to me um, Bulletproof God, I forgot know? about that mm. one him and Damon Wayans yep I worked at a movie store in high school and I used to I, I watched them I, I just I love that movie it, the the two of them together were just comedic genius and I think James Conn was in that thing, too. James Conn was... Uh, Jimmy Conn. Yeah. Uh, Click is actually on mine because, for whatever reason, I guess I'm a little sensitive guy. But, like, that movie that movie makes me cry every time I watch it because it, it's... I don't know. Adam Sandler does this weird thing where he, he goes and, like, it's funny down the middle, and then he just veers in a direction in some of his movies. Never seen it. Never seen Click? No. Yeah, it's it. worth
0: one it's worth a watch yeah, just, nobody brought up the wedding singer though that gets that's an honorable mention oh, the wedding man. singer's
1: good well so my last two are happy gilmore and big daddy happy gilmore just because like it's that might be billy madison is great happy gilmore might be his like most iconic movie I sure think the, the most popular maybe but i also one of my absolute favorites though i mean you can't you can't beat half the cameos in that thing. Mm-hmm. And Shooter McGavin is just unbelievable.
2: I, I just want to add one more thing to that happy, or excuse me, Billy Madison. I think Chris Farley's performance in Billy Madison should be commended as well. Oh, of <laughs> that's course. probably why it's so high up on the list for me. RIP Chris Farley, but yeah, man, so funny. I miss that guy Golly. so much. Well, so it, funny.
1: And, uh, Big Big Daddy just uh, the whole the whole play with Sandler and Stewart and uh, the whole Hooters tie in and every, like it was just funny from beginning to end. But it is actually like a movie that had some sort of a point. Like I told you, everything's funny, but sometimes they have a point. Sometimes they have something else. Sometimes it's just straight stupid and funny. But uh, they're all good. And Adam Sandler. I think the reason Sandler came into my mind when I picked this category. Um, was mostly because like I just I love the way that he takes care of his boys like I I love the-ups Grown franchise just because he got all his friends together and like hey you guys you guys want to make a movie real quick yeah so I'll hang out for a little while make a movie Schneider's in all his movies spades in all his movies that's They're pretty much all spade, spade has spade
0: in. just sits around and waits for Sandler to call oh you're doing a movie okay great well grown-ups <laughs> is like the perfect example of
2: that I mean like everybody from every movie is in those grown-up movies and it's they're slap happy,
1: funny, but
0: <laughs> I'm not a Kevin James fan. Not a really no, don't like him. Don't like him.
1: He also has like Happy Madison as a company. Yeah, have you ever seen Grandma's Boy? Oh yeah, right. It's so, great. But like the movies he puts out that aren't that he's not even in are also amazing. Grandma Grandma's Boy for everybody listening and watching. If you haven't seen it and you like to laugh, uh please please it's, go. It's for great.
0: It. It's incredible. I once put a Facebook post out one time that said, you know, uh, uh, regarding Kevin James, that if here comes the boom was just an hour and a half of him trying to get off of a hammock, it might be funny. (laughs) But other than that, no. So, anyway, I'm watching the timer. He's got to go. He's got to get some adjustments on. You need to get your adjustment on and go see him. I'm going. Mark's going. We're all going. We're going to have him back. But, Atlanta, we got to go. But we're going to be hitting you again next episode. See you next time. Thank you. We love you. Do you believe?